Hey, welcome to the Impact Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. We hope this week's message is a blessing to you like it was to us. Let's go ahead and jump into it. Um, 2 Samuel 6 verse 3, it says, They placed the ark of God on a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. And Uzzah and Aho, the sons of Abinadab, were leading the new cart. So they brought it with the ark of God from the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill, and Aho was walking in front of the cart. Meanwhile, David, okay, they do some praising. And then if you get to verse 6, it says, When they came to Nacon's threshing floor, Uzzah reached out with his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it because the oxen stumbled and nearly overturned it. The anger of the Lord burned against Uzzah. God struck him dead for his irreverence, and he died by the ark of God. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to stand before you tonight. Lord, I pray that you would help me deliver this message in the way that you gave it to me, God. Lord, I pray that it would not be my words, Lord, but that it would be your words. Lord, I pray that the anointing would flow in this house, God. Lord, that you wouldn't hold back. Just because this is a younger crowd tonight doesn't mean that you have to hold back your anointing. It doesn't mean you hold back your knowledge and your understanding. Lord, I pray that you would move in this house in Jesus' name. Amen. So I just, I love being down here with you all. I've been down here for, what, probably three months now, and it has really blessed me. I grew up in a really tiny church, and um, if there was a Sunday school class, it was because I got, like, my baby dolls and a couple friends that I brought, and I taught it. So there wasn't Sunday school. There wasn't youth group. There wasn't young adults. I think our maximum, like, we had one of those things on the wall, the maximum attendance we had was 68, and I think that was before I was born. So very, very tiny church. We had an outhouse, and then we got a porta potty when I was like 12. It was very exciting. So I didn't get to see this. I didn't get to see, um, you know, people my age. I thought that heaven was going to be a very, very big place with just a couple people. And I've got I got to take my shoes off. Okay, this is just not me. Thanks. <laughs> so when I started dating Alex, when I was 19. We had known each other before. We actually went to church together to my dad's church, and the church had a split, and we didn't see each other for a long time. We got back together and ended up dating and getting married and thankfully have beautiful children now. But he had stayed kind of on the straight and narrow path, had stayed in church, went to the Church of God, and really got to experience youth groups and young adults ministry and just kind of the fullness of what the church is supposed to be like. Well, instead, I kind of backslid and did a lot of things I shouldn't have done. I was a pastor's kid and just spent a lot of time in the world. But I was always seated in the house of God on Sundays and Wednesdays. I knew all of the stories. I knew all of that, but I did not have what I needed to have. It didn't transfer to heart knowledge. So anyway, he takes me to a Christian concert one night. And I, growing up in church, we just did had the Redback Hymnal. Y'all know about the Redback Hymnal? Okay, so we didn't have like screens or anything like that. Um, And so I had no idea that there was Christian music on the radio. No clue at all. So he takes me to this concert, and it was going to be Sanctus Real was going to be there. And there was a line all the way around the building. I'm dating myself. Thank you. Um, There's a line all the way around the building, and I looked at him, and I said, do these people know that the artist is, like, Christian? He's like, yes, they do. They're here for it. Like, these people love God. And so when we were in in that concert, I just looked around and saw people, young people, worshiping God and praising the Lord. And it really touched me. I thought, you know what? Maybe there is more to this than I'm thinking. Like, this isn't just for old people. Like, that God is moving, and he wants us to worship him. So you may think that your worship doesn't mean anything to anybody. But even if it's a pastor's kid that's coming from a small church that gets to see you worshiping God, it does something. So let's talk about the scripture 
So David is trying to go get the Ark of the Covenant and bring it back to Israel. And the Lord was real specific on what he wanted the Ark of the Covenant to look like, right? So the the Ark of the Covenant is kind of like this rectangle. It's got cherubs on it. It had special things inside of it. And really its purpose was to house the presence of God in the Old Testament, okay? So it would go from place to place. And wherever the Ark of the Covenant was, there was blessing. So David was going to go get it and bring it back to Israel And God was real specific on how he wanted the ark carried. So he wanted, there were poles on it, and he wanted it to be on their shoulders, right? So he wanted someone in the front, someone in the back, and then the ark in the middle. And when I was reading through that, it's like the Lord was showing me that he wants his presence, he wants us to feel the weight of his presence, and he wants us to be moved by his presence. He doesn't want it on a cart to be easily pushed around and maneuvered wherever he wants, And as I began to study this, I saw that the pagans and the people that had these pagan gods, they would put them on these carts. So um, they had two oxen, and it almost looked like a wheelbarrow that they would have behind them, and they put the Ark of the Covenant in it. So that's what the pagan people used to move their gods. So David must have just thought, you know, we're just going to do this, like, way easier. We're just going to put the Ark of the Covenant in this cart thing that, like, the other people use, and it looks really easy. Well, how many of you know that if God asks you to do something on purpose, like he has a reason for it, right? He has a purpose. And so when we partially obey God, it's really just full disobedience. Because if we're not going to be willing to do everything that he's asked us to do, we're really just being disobedient. My friend, this person that I know, called me (laughs) a couple weeks ago and she said, hey, I I need your help. I need you to pray with me. She said, I I joined the prayer team at church three weeks ago, and the Lord, he's not talking to me. I'm praying over people. I'm not hearing him. When I'm going to my secret place, he's not speaking, and and I just don't know what to do. And I said, well, isn't this the church that God told you about six months ago that you need to leave? She said, well, but I'm on the prayer team. Like, that's good, right? I'm praying for people. And I said, well, not necessarily. If God told you not to be there, and now you're like, okay, God, well, I like, I'll stay, but I'll pray for people. That's not what he wanted you to do. So how many know that when there are some things in our life that God asks us to do, they might not make sense all the time, but God has a purpose. <clears throat> so we're not supposed to take the anointing lightly. Can't just be pushed around wherever we want it. Can't just be doing it because it's convenient. It must be carried with purpose and passion. So it said that this ark fell at the threshing floor. And so the threshing floor I have studied on for years. I think it is just kind of amazing the spiritual correlation that happens at these, this threshing floor. So in the Old Testament, they had wheat, and they would take it to a threshing floor, and they would get the bundle of wheat, and they would put in this fun little pot thing or whatever, and they would throw it up in the air, and part of it would fly away, and that was the unprofitable part, and it would fly away in the wind. And the profitable part would come back down into the bowl, and that's what they would use for the harvest. So this threshing floor is symbolic of this place of separation, Right? It's this place where we go. They, they used to like, sometimes they would beat the wheat on the floor. Like it was kind of a, if we think about it spiritually, it probably doesn't feel very good when you're on the threshing floor. Um, like Tad mentioned, you know, there are times you can go through in your life that it doesn't feel very good, but you've got to hold on to the profitable part and let everything else go, right? So they get to this threshing floor and the ox kind of stumbles and the ark of God begins to fall. <coughs> and... It's interesting, I've read through this before, you know, my whole life, and I've thought, well, that's kind of rude, Lord, like, as I was just trying to help, like, he was trying to help the cart not fall. 
you know? And what the Lord began to reveal to me as I studied it was, first of all, he doesn't mess around with sin. And us in our flesh will never be good enough to, like, touch the presence of God and touch the mercy seat and, like, all of the things, you know, that the Ark of the Covenant represented. And so when I was reading back through it this time, I realized that if you go back to verse 3, it says that Uzzah, which, I mean, if you're looking for a baby name, that's a good one. Uzzah <laughs> was the son of Abinadab. So the, the Ark of the Covenant was in Abinadab's house, and Uzzah was the son, and he is the one who reached out to study the Ark. So as I was reading through this, the Lord was like, look, he was comfortable, so comfortable that he ended up being complacent and didn't regard my presence for what it was. And that spoke to me so deeply, and I thought, wow, how often are we in this, this house, and we feel the anointing moving, and we see people being blessed, and we're unmoved. We sit and we watch it go by, and we're like, oh, well, God will come back again next Sunday. You, you don't know that. You don't know that you're going to get a chance. Just this past week, I think it was, I had messaged my team and said, I need you to bombard heaven. One of my friend's um, daughters was maybe 16, was hit. Somebody came over the center line. She was hit, and she ended up dying within a couple days, 16 years old. I mean, it's tragic. No one would have ever expected it to happen. Our very small town. And it just reminded me of the fragile, like how our lives are so fragile. And we're really not promised tomorrow. And when we have these opportunities where the Spirit of God is passing us by, have we just become so complacent and so comfortable with his presence that we're not doing anything? That we're remaining unchanged? So it became common for Uzzah rather than being a beacon of consecration because the ark resided in his house for a long time. So when he touched the ark, he completely disobeyed God. And it says in here specifically that God struck him there for his irreverence so that he didn't regard God, he didn't have that fear of God that we're supposed to have, and he died. So we cannot be so familiar with the moving of God's spirit that our comfort sears our conscience. So when we were here this past weekend and we were praying, I think it was Friday night, and the Spirit of God was moving in here, and it was, it was, it was great. And so anyway, during the worship, the Lord was like, I want you to go to the back wall, and I want you to begin praying, and I want you to proclaim freedom because there are some demons in here that came in with some people, and they're pretty mad. And you're the leader of this, and I want you to go back there, and I want you to fight in spiritual warfare, and I want you to pray because I want to release these people from this, these strongholds. So I went back there and I began to pray. And of course, on my way back there, I'm thinking, or the enemy, you know, is saying, what are you doing? Like, aren't you supposed to be the leader? Like, aren't you supposed to be in the front? Why are you going to the back? People are going to think you're crazy. People are going to think you're absolutely nuts. You know, I thought, you know, I'm going to obey God because the enemy is not going to tell me to go back and proclaim victory over these people. Obviously, this is the Holy Spirit and I'm going to listen. So I went back there for a while and then the Lord said, okay, it's time to go take the microphone. And I have been blacked out, drunk in the world many times. But I have never been so overcome with the anointing that I have been like blacked out in the spirit. I grabbed the microphone and began to like rebuke suicide. I began to rebuke strongholds and generational curses. And I don't know what happened, but I don't remember anything. So maybe 10 minutes later, I, I came to over there by the stage and Rebecca Mosley was moving under the power of God and people had fallen out. A lady over here got delivered from a demon. And I was just 
just praying and telling the Lord, like, thank you for your presence. And please forgive if there's any time that you've wanted me to do that before and I haven't been obedient to you. And then I looked out in the, in the crowd and I saw a certain person that had reach, would reach out to me time and time again that traveled from a long way to come to this conference and she dealt with suicide. And there she sat in her seat. And I thought, Lord, I, I will go back there and I will get her and I'll bring her to the front and we'll pray. And he was like, she don't want it. She's not believing me for it. She's not regarding my presence. She doesn't want it. And that is heartbreaking. And she was only four rows from the front. Like, can you imagine being that we are that close to the anointing all the time in this church? Praise God. Like, I have been to churches where it is dead, dead, dead. But so we have been in places where the spirit is not there. And we have that here. And it is, it's amazing. But I think that it would be an awful place to be in, to be a teenager and be in this house and be in this pivotal time in your life, like Tad said earlier. And you have access to the anointing and you have the ability to be free from all of this stuff, but you just sit there and you let the anointing pass you by. You know, and with the cart, if we go back to having the new cart, and we have to think about the way that God wants us to carry his anointing. And so in the New Testament, and now obviously we are people of the covenant, right? That our body is supposed to be a living sacrifice. That we're supposed to be a temple. We're supposed to be set apart. We're supposed to be consecrated. We're not supposed to look like the world. Like when these people looked at them carrying the Ark of the Covenant, they saw half Jehovah, half world. They saw the Ark on a new cart. And that's not what God wants. And is that what he sees when he looks at you? Does he see half the time you're reading your Bible, half the time you're looking at things you shouldn't be looking at? Half the times you got your hands raised in worship, but then when you get home, what are you doing? We have got to look so different because the Lord spoke to me a couple weeks ago in my prayer time, and I was praying and I was saying, Lord, I know that you've called me to evangelize. This is not what I wanted. <laughs> this is not what I wanted, but I know that you've called me to it, but how am I going to reach these souls? Like, how am I going to get this lost generation? How do you want me to do it? And he said, I want you to wake up the church because when the church is fully walking in their anointing and they look different, then the world is going to see that I still do what I said I was going to do. And then they're going to want what we have. But nobody's going to want to come to a church or a youth group where you come in bound and you leave bound. And the anointing moves during the worship. It was moving. Katie, when you began to, to worship and, and speak from your heart, the anointing fell so strong. And you, you, sometimes you just got to reach up and get it. I, I have always been able to see in the spirit, praise God. And it, I could see during the worship that the anointing was kind of hovering like up here. And sometimes, as silly as it sounds, you got to reach your hand up. And the glory will continue to come. But sometimes you just got to press in. So sometimes familiarity causes complacency. And I looked up that word complacency, and it is self-satisfied without urgency. And then it also causes apathy, which is a lack of interest, enthusiasm, or concern. And I thought, you know what? <clears throat> this was how I was as a teenager. And I don't want you to do the same thing. Because I walked through things that I shouldn't have had to walk through, and I didn't need to. I grew up in a house where I couldn't really get away with anything because I used to say that my dad had a voicemail box, which that used to be a thing, you know, like a long time ago, you pushed a button and it said, like, gave you a message. And I used to joke that he had one in his closet. And then every morning when he went to prayer that the Holy Ghost would tell on me and tell exactly what I had been doing. Like, I grew up in a house where I watched miracles and signs and wonders, and I watched all of these things happen 
But I let the enemy lie to me and say, you're a girl, you can't be used. They're not gonna, you're not gonna be used in the ministry. Like, there's nothing for you here. Church is irrelevant. The songs are old. It's kind of annoying. Like, there's all old people in your church. Don't, don't bother. Don't bother. I have much more exciting things for you over here. Just look at this big, shiny thing. But what I didn't realize came with all of that was anxiety, depression, and alcoholism. And it was, it was awful. And I don't want to see that happen to you guys. So we can see that the compromise standard... So using a new cart, right, trying to do what we want to do while kind of doing what God wants us to do, mixed with a lack of reverential fear, is spiritually fatal. I think this could be the state of many of us today, that we've become used to the program. We've even gotten used to the way things shift when the Spirit begins to move. Maybe you know how to raise your hands, or you know how to dance a little bit. Maybe you know what words to use. You know how to shout amen. But if you remain spiritually unmoved... That doesn't mean anything. It's got to shift. This is what I was telling Rebecca just last week. I said, you know, I grew up with all kinds of head knowledge. I know the word because I grew up in it. Thank God. And I would get my Bible and I would buy a five-star notebook and I would go through my Bible and I would rewrite it in my own words in my five-star notebook because I, I wanted to understand it. But I bought a lie of the enemy and it wa I wasted years of my life. And then when you come back to it, like Tad mentioned earlier, you, you deal with such condemnation and such shame that you, you can't walk in your calling because you can't get rid of that junk. Like, let's skip all of that so that we don't have to deal with it and just walk the right way that God wants us to do. Let's not have a new cart. Let's just do what he asked us to do because he knows better. You know, if you think about the Bible like, like an instruction manual, Regardless, maybe you're a guy and you don't read instruction manuals. But if you did, let's just pretend like you did. And you bought something, and there's this instruction manual that came with it. We would go to it and read it so we could figure out how to use the thing we bought, right? So the Bible is your instruction manual. And it's going to tell you how to get through life because guess who wrote the Bible? Your creator, the person that put you together and knit you together. So if you have questions, the answers are in here. I have tried it my whole life, and there is an answer for every time that I have gone to his word. So when his presence floods our church, when it floods our youth group, I want us to have such a reverential fear, and I'm, I'm speaking to myself too, that we hit our knees because we know there's nothing good in us, and we can only vow to carry the anointing with zeal and with consecration. There's got to be a shift from knowing it up here to knowing it in here. Because when we know it in here, we won't try and put the anointing on a new cart. We will just do exactly what he asked us to do. You can go to hell sitting in a church pew. I, am I okay on time? I wasn't going to share this, but I feel like I need to. I'm not going to go into all the details. But, um, so Joyce Meyer, like my favorite person alive, says that just because you sit in the garage doesn't make you a car. Just because you sit in the church doesn't make you a Christian. And so I had this experience, I actually wrote a book about when I was in college, and the enemy came to me while I was sleeping and took me a couple places and tried to offer me things, kind of like the, the gospel tells us that Jesus, or that the enemy took Jesus to a mountain. He took him here, and he offered him these things, right? So I had this experience, the enemy, where I left, and actually my roommate that was in the room with me, when I came back, I was 
having like an anxiety attack when I got back in my bed and was trying to not remember everything that I had saw. And she was sitting up in her bed and she said, who was that? And I said, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. And she said, you were gone for three hours. Where did you go? But she said she was so paralyzed in fear for those three hours that she couldn't do anything except sit there. But while I was gone and the enemy was saying like, hey, I can give you this, or hey, I can give you this, I can do this for you, I can give you this modeling gig, I can put you here, I can do this with you. During all of that kind of, you know, show, I had this feeling of going down. And I just remember going down, 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 till I stopped. And it's really hard to explain in English words, but I know that I, got, I went to hell, and I was able to see it, and it was horrible. But the feeling that I had, I had no peace there. I knew that God was really, really far away. Like, I could see this bright white light, but there was such like, I think the Bible calls it a chasm, just like this big distance between where I was and where he was. And I remember thinking, this is it. This is it. I have grown up in church my entire life. I knew what I was supposed to do. I didn't do it. And now I'm here in hell and there is nothing I can do. Like I knew God called me to the ministry and I didn't do it. I didn't do it. So I was kind of panicking, like in this place. And I was panicking and and um, I began to see like celebrities that had passed that were there in hell kind of in these cages and I saw demons and I saw this big lake of fire and it was just the worst feeling that you could ever imagine feeling. And when I, I kind of got caught, kind of jerked up and was actually ended up being in my parents' kitchen and I was there and the enemy was beside me and my dad was sitting there and he said, I want you to get your hands off my daughter. And he was like, you don't want your daughter. You know what she's been doing? You know she knows what to do. But she's been doing this and she's been doing that. You don't want her. And that is what the enemy does. Listen, I'm not one that, that, that just, I've been praying about a lot of things. Let's just say that. And I was sitting there and the Lord began to speak to me. And I didn't, I didn't realize what it was at first, but... I begin to hear it over and over in my spirit when you were preaching about how that ark was in that house and that those the that that Uzzah was so comfortable with it. And then you used that word familiarity, and I just got thinking about this house and what we have in this youth group. And and I again I don't I'm not trying to be something I'm not here, guys. I have never claimed to be a prophet nor the son of the prophet. That is not the gift of God that I operate in. But I also understand that as a pastor, I, I, I have the obligation that when the spirit moves, and I know because as soon I think it was Cohen, as soon as Cohen I just felt something leap up in my spirit. And I can get up here and there's people who've got 20, 40 years of history saying, thus saith the Lord, could hear a hoop and holler and hack. But all I know is what God was speaking to me there. I didn't know how I was going to say it, but I felt the spirit of God in a sense of warning. I felt that warning. And when you were talking about how you had that dream and vision of going to hell, I'm not trying to scare anybody with anything, but I do want to say this. There is such a danger there is such a danger being friendly with the familiar, right? God wants to be your friend. God wants 
you to be familiar with this spirit, but don't let that familiarity with the spirit of God be taken for granted. Don't let the fact that we got a dynamic worship team, an incredible youth ministry, a Christian school, the best pastor in America, a growing, thriving church, don't fall into the trick that Abinadab did, that his whole household did, that because the spirit of God was there, I, I would imagine they threw a, a tablecloth over at one point and put their, and, and treated it like just a coffee table, a piece of furniture. They, they benefited from the blessing of that ark being in Abinadab's house. For 20 years, it was in that house. But when, when it came time to move and the Spirit of God wanted to go in a direction, they were so friendly with it. They were so familiar with it because they had been around it for 20 years. They were friendly with it. They were familiar with it because they went to CCA from K through 12. They were friendly with it. They were familiar with it because they'd been to Impact Wednesday night service for two, three, four, five years. They were friendly with it. They were familiar with it because they had seen Pastor Tommy Bates shout up and down and run the aisles and preach his guts out till he was blue in the face every Sunday night and they sat there and they watched it but when the spirit of God was moving they thought because they had seen it for 20 years they knew how to respond. Friend, don't make the mistake tonight and think just because you go to CFC or just because you belong to Impact that you can get so familiar that you can get so complacent with the spirit of God there is a mandate upon you because one day God's going to call your number and he's going to say will you carry my presence to this world will you bear my spirit will you bear the ark and listen God's not going to settle for what our sister's trying to tell you tonight God's not going to settle for you to carry that thing your way but God wants you to live sanctified he wants you to live consecrated he wants you to live dedicated why because the ark was never meant to stay in your house the ark was meant to go to the nation, was to go to the world, and you're supposed to carry it, but you can't carry it with your fornication, with your backbiting, with your gossip. You've got to understand that I'm going to get serious about the Spirit of God, and I'm going to carry the ark and not get so familiar with it that I just become complacent and I just get used to it being there Sister Crystal every Wednesday I get used to it being there every Sunday I get used to Pastor Tad preaching a dynamic word every Monday and if, listen if I don't feel the spirit I'll just wait for somebody to pump me up and prime me up and jive me up but the reality is this you have got to learn to get a hold of God all by yourself hallelujah let us not grow friendly too friendly, complacent with that which is familiar. That is the greatest tragedy I see with Pentecostal Americans, especially young people in a thriving ministry like this. Look outside these four walls every once in a while. Listen to what our sister said. Listen, I'm not dogging her down in small churches because, bless God, there's some sanctified, godly people in small churches. But do you realize this youth group we have is larger than 90% of the churches in America? Right? This place is a beacon of hope. It is a beacon of power. It's a beacon of authority to your generation. So don't just come here. Don't just be people of God thinking, oh, I'm just going to, you know, go with the flow and, and hope that somebody preaches me happy and hope that somebody says something that gets me jazzed and gets me going. But no, friend, don't just get so used to the fact that it's always going to be here because God said in his word, my spirit will not always strive with, one, with men. One day, soon and very soon, 
the dead in Christ will rise. And the Bible says, we which remain will be caught up to meet him in the air. That word remain literally means those who are standing firm, who have a solid foundation in Jesus Christ. Not those, if you look up the actual word, it doesn't mean remain as in you haven't died. The Bible says those that remain, those that have stood firm on the foundation, that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Those are the ones that are going to be caught up to meet God in the air. Don't think pacifying your sin, living any way you want, doing anything you want, acting any way you want, doing whatever you want. Don't think for a second, friend, you're going to be caught up to meet God in the air. But the Bible says his spirit will not always strive with men. That's what I feel in my spirit tonight. It's a warning of God, not to scare you, but I hope to God some of you are frightened right now because before I could put this microphone down, Gabriel can sound that trumpet. Before this service is over, God can blink his eye and bam, we're gone. We're out of here. And you can be sitting there with your arms crossed thinking, well, I just want to live the way I want for two, three, four more years. Friend, that tribulation will be here. You'll be all on your own trying to figure out how to get to heaven. Friend, don't be that person. Don't be that young man. Don't be that young lady. Make up your mind right now that you're going to serve God. You're going to honor God and you're going to reverence the spirit of God because it won't always be there. It won't always be there because it's in me. It's in Caleb. It's in people of God. And when that rapture happens and we get caught up, the spirit that's in us is going with us. And that's why the Bible says the spirit of God won't always strive with men. You think it's difficult to live for God when the spirit of God is readily available and full supply? Try honoring God during the tribulation when the church is gone, when the spirit's gone, when the pastor's gone, when the preacher's gone. Friend, how are you going to serve God in that situation when everyone's gone, when no one else is pumping you up and priming you up? And it's illegal to read a Bible. And you can't go to church for fear of death. Are you going to serve God then? I fear you may not if you can't serve God. When you got a full course, three course spiritual meal all week, every week. And I know this is hard. I know this is tough. But this is the Spirit of God warning you tonight. Warning you tonight. And I'm not claiming to be prophetic. But I do know when the Spirit of prophecy is moving. And that's what it is. The Spirit of prophecy is not just telling the future. But it points out sin. It points direction. Friend, the Spirit of God is pointing you to sanctified living tonight. It's pointing you to a spiritual way of living tonight. And if I were you, I wouldn't sit there in your sin. I wouldn't sit there in your complacency, but I'd get serious about God right now. Amen. I'm going to assume you're done. Let's all stand to your feet. Hallelujah. Thanks for listening. If you were blessed or encouraged, go ahead and subscribe to the Impact Podcast and share it with a friend to bless them too. Connect with us on Instagram at impactym. And remember, you can have as much of God as you want.